Welcome to Strategies for Turbulent Times with your hosts, Matthew Werner and Dr. Kathy Greenberg, here to help you stare down adversity, adapt, improvise, and overcome the challenges you are facing in your own life. Now, here are Dr. Kathy and Captain Matthew. Welcome to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Thank you for joining us today. I'm here Kathy Greenberg with my co-host, Matthew Warner. Hopefully you've been getting to know us since we went live the end of May, but I am really happy that we are going to be talking to uh, a guest today uh, that we have actually uh, known uh, for a little while and bumped back into them recently while we were doing a class at a local agency here in the Florida area, but before we bring our guests on, I wanted to talk a little bit about the idea of generational differences. You know, when I first met you, Matthew, you were on the team and you were doing a lot of training and you kept saying, if these kids ask me why one more time... <laughs> And I was really concerned about your mental health and their physical well-being because <laughs> we have been raising everybody in a Simon Sinek world where the why is what everybody has been told is now the norm. So tell me a little bit about why the why irritates you as a leader in today's generationally mixed environment. I think... Uh... Well, thank you, Kathy. You know, I just, with that question, you know, growing up in a an era of uh, shut up and row, uh, especially in the military, you know, it's a hierarchical system where you depend on your leaders or put in that position of leadership because of their superiors seeing that they were a good leader or that they could lead. Uh, so you just knew as being a junior person, is that okay? Um, yeah, you can ask why, but there wasn't that many. Um, and especially throughout the, the decades and centuries of military warfare, all of a sudden it just kind of flipped on the, the, the leader's head um, that they're expected to answer the why um, to somebody that's got, you know, maybe a fraction of the time and experience. Um, you know, in the shut up and roll era, there's standard operating procedures. There's, uh, you know, this method that we do business you know, and lessons learned through blood, sweat, and tears, and you don't want to revisit them. But going back to that time where, when uh, we were talking about it in around 2013, it was a big change to everybody was asking why. And, uh, of course, as a leader, I was like, really? Like, there's not enough <laughs> other things i got to focus on. Now i got a guy, one of my team leaders, getting questioned by one of his new guys, you know, why, why, why? And then, they, of course, that... To me, that automatically puts in your head that they're questioning your decision-making. Your authority. Oh, no. Well, because of, you know, what, what do you mean, why are they asking why? You know, are they worried? Are they, you know, fear for their life? Or they think that we can do it some way better? Um, but the, the reality is, is that growing up in that shut-up-and-row era, and now I'm all of a sudden a leader, and I know the standard operating procedures. I know how we do things. I know how we've changed them during the time I was active. But I really didn't know the true meaning of why. Why, you know, 
not like I was active duty back in the seventies when some of these tactics and these techniques were uh, developed. Um, so it really is a very challenging mode to go into um, to 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 make sure that the guys understood what their purpose was. Um, you know, and they were just asking why because, like you're saying, that generation was brought up of you know why 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 why. <laughs> Well, Let's get to our special guest. Today. Well, it, it brings me to our special guest today because he describes himself as a generational Gen Xer with heavy influence from baby boomers, brainwashed by military discipline, who has become a law enforcement leader with, as he says, a short temper for errors. <laughs> but let me give you a real background here on, on Chris Eklund, who's our, our guest today. He began his career in law enforcement in 1999, and he's worked in several areas of his agency, including patrol, narcotics, and problem-oriented policing. He is currently assigned to the SWAT team as the training coordinator and a team leader, and Eklund has been on SWAT for over 21 years, and he's been a full-time role in this for the last nine years. He has a bachelor's degree in exercise physiology. Oh, I want to spend time with that. He is currently pursuing a master's degree in organizational leadership. Oh, I admire that. And he's completed one of my favorites, the NTOA Command College in 2020, where, as you know, we have created much of their content. And Eklund served in the U.S. Army National Guard from 1992 to 2002 before he left as a staff sergeant. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Kathy and Matt. We're glad to have you. Did I did I express how you describe yourself well enough, or <laughs> did I mess that up? <laughs> no, I, I, I think I think it's probably a description that a lot of other people have described me as so much that I believe it myself. So <laughs> it's probably pretty close to accurate. Yeah. So you, you <laughs> once upon a time, it. anyways. Yeah, you you've had this issue, I'm sure, being in the role you've been in and the same, you know, era that Matt is, um, this constant process of people asking why um, is it's become the norm. How do you deal with that? Um, well, you know, it, it's funny. And as soon as you started talking about the question why and, and Simon Sinek, who I actually read quite a bit of, um, <laughs> uh, it, I can actually remember the very first time somebody asked me that question in the work environment. Um, I was actually teaching some entry uh, tactics training, and I had basically given some instruction to one of the students that would probably be advantageous for them to stand in a particular position, and he actually asked me why. And, (laughs) like, I couldn't find the answer. I didn't have an answer for him. Um, I, I kind of explained to him why it was advantageous. I explained to him, you know, well, you get a better view here. Well, why better here than there? And it, it was just kind of a little quick banner back and forth. <laughs> and, uh, this is around 2012, 2013, probably. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Matt and I were probably in different places in the world, pulling our hair out simultaneously. So <laughs> I, I aim into that brother. <laughs> No, I and it's uh, you know it's, it's interesting the uh, what you had shared with us um, that Cat was reading off, you know, and you go from that to the point of um, 
you know, you're, you're kind of in, in, like you're saying, you're in instructor mode right now. So you're realizing what you've learned over the decades or, you know, years and decades of perfecting your, your, your skills. And now all of a sudden, you know, they're not doing what you're saying and uh, they're asking why and the stress that comes with this. Um, you know, I, I vividly remember guys would get slapped in the back of the head, you know, while, while you're doing a, you know, a house run or something like that or, you know, the instructors would literally, you know, make you, you know, do 100 push-ups or something like, what do you mean you're going to question an instructor? Um, you know, and we grew up in that environment. Um, not that it's necessarily wrong or right, um, but, yeah, it's definitely a lot of gray hair. Yeah, I, and I would say that I, I, you know, I grew up in that environment, not only, you know, military-wise, but also playing sports. Um, you know, where I grew up, my hometown is a very, very blue-collar town um up in the northeast so we really didn't ever have time to ask uh why it was kind of like do this and we did it um and i was also kind of that guy that you know my national guard experience basically came after i started college on my bachelor's and i was the guy who left to go to basic training in ait during between my freshman and sophomore year and i can remember coming back school which at that time, the university that I went to was one of the top 10 party schools in the nation. Um, and I didn't speak to anybody. <laughs> like, I didn't speak to anybody for probably a month and a half, two months, um, because the military got me, right? Um, mm-hmm. It was a natural fit for me, and, and I thoroughly enjoyed that experience. But, yeah, I, I, I never thought of asking the question why, you know, probably from birth. So... <laughs> Um, I still don't answer. I still don't ask that question, but I do answer it a lot more now. Yeah, I think most of us learn that little kids will ask why, mm-hmm. and they go through that terrible two to six asking why a lot, and you kind of lose your patience for it. So by the time they're adults and they're mm-hmm. asking that, you yeah, you want to lose your mind. But, but let me yeah. let me ask yeah. you a question. So we always like to start off the show getting to know you a little bit more. And it would really be helpful if you would share with our audience and with us who's been the most influential in your life and and why. Um, You know, Kathy, I think um, influence-wise, I would definitely have to say that my father was a tremendous influence on me. he, like I said, I grew up in a very blue-collar town. I can remember my dad. He worked two jobs. He was a mechanic on Boston and Maine Railroad, so he worked nights doing that. And then during the day, he would work uh, in an auto body slash mechanic shop. Uh, eventually, he evolved to his own auto body business. But the biggest thing I can remember about my father, and he even said it uh, shortly leading up to when he passed away, is that he was going to die working. Um his work ethic, although maybe considered in the workaholic side of things, uh, which always gets that negative connotation, I, I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I took away from him was the amount of dedication that he has, uh, that he had when he was putting his mind into his work. So as far as, a, and I've had a bunch of people influence me um, in a very positive way, but I would definitely have to say that my father influenced me more than anybody else. Um, 
whether it be his work ethic or his attitude, which may have been on the nature side of things versus the nurture side of things. But, um, yeah, definitely, definitely that was probably the most influential thing for me. And I found myself, you know, through my career, constantly paying attention to work, thinking about things after the fact, um, kind of thinking about the next thing, replaying things back in my head, so on and so forth, to try to make it better. And that's what his intention was, was to try to make his businesses better, um, you know, so his people were better. Thank you for sharing that, Chris. Um, and, uh, you know, all too often um, that, uh, and it's not all too often in a bad way, but, you know, the importance of family is what we hear a lot. Um, and that's critical um, to development. Um, and then what's interesting, you know, if, you, if you can think about it, um, you know, you, you've got that sense of service from your father, that work ethic from your father. Um, but as you've grown and you've had, you've got quite a, an accomplished career, my man. Um, but as you've grown, and this is one of the conversations that I like to have with a lot of, uh, a lot of people is, you know, when you look, when you're looking to be, uh, you're, you're asked, you're looked at to be the next leader, um, up the chain of command. Um, it's tougher and tougher to find mentors and, uh, and leaders. Um, somebody that sure. you know, or a coach, and the importance of having that coach. Um, could you share uh, with us um, on how do you look at that statement as far as the importance of finding a coach as you are growing as as a leader in your career, and how that's going to help you stay on track and uh, not derail off of uh, what you want to do? Yeah, you know what I can say about that, Matt, is is that um, I was actually very fortunate uh, in my career, specifically you know, my time in SWAT and things like that, um, all the way back in 2002, where my coaches seemed to just naturally show up. Um, I don't think I was actually looking for them, um, but they were those leaders who, you know, they stepped in the room and you knew knew that they were in charge. You knew that they were confident. They had the confidence. Um, you know, almost that, that general pattern kind of, uh, general pattern, sorry, um, kind of, you know, the way they carried themselves. And um, I've had several leaders on SWAT that they self-identified, and I actually found myself really, without even knowing it, really subconsciously emulating what they were doing. Um, I've been actually several times kind of described as those people who they were in the past, which can sometimes get that negative connotation, right, that, that negative memory of what that person did and how autocratic they were as a leader and things like that. And, you know, quick snaps to make decisions or quick snaps to make corrections in a rather loud way, kind of like I was described earlier. <laughs> um, yeah. But they really self-identified to me um, and they, they just influenced me naturally. Um, and again, through, through emulation and things like that, and especially when I was trying to come up in the, the, the training and skill building side of my career, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, and correct me if, if, if you're not seeing the same thing, you know, just thinking about my leaders that, you know, that would come across, especially being fortunate and uh, getting all the way up to, you know, a tier one command and operating at that level and being a senior leader, um, they just kind of come across and you see, um, you know, like one of the attributes that I, I like to share with people because they ask me all the time, you know, like, what does it take to get to, you know, that level? And, uh, you know, as you're going through selection and all that stuff and multiple selection phases, you really don't know. 
but what are the, you know, as I got older and started instructing and, and putting uh, guys through select the uh, selection process, but also as a leader, you know, especially with the Y generation, right, you really have to look at that. But the leaders that you looked at, or at least I looked at highly, they were pretty open and they communicated well. Um, you know, they didn't just sit back and watch you fail and then look at you like, you know, you're messed up. Uh, they, they were very, uh, they were very structured, but also their communication was very open. I don't know if that's what you've seen. Yeah. You know, I, I got to tell you, um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that the people who influenced me most were very open with communication, um, which I can kind of relate to because I'm not that open communicator <laughs> that does podcasts and things like that. <laughs> Um, but <laughs> the, the things that they did say when they said them meant everything. Um, you know, the fact that almost that they were taking the time, um, to give you the instruction that you needed and so on and so forth to, to do better, um, just meant a whole lot because you knew that they were the people who, you know, when they spoke, they needed to be listened to. Well, you know, sometimes, um, getting that feedback. Um, in a way that engages your capability to achieve more is really what a true leader does. They don't give you feedback to demean. Uh, they give you the feedback in a feed-forward fashion, hoping and through their structure, making sure that what they're providing to you is constructive and gives you an action plan for how to engage in what you were doing in a way that is a better version of what you had tried to do. And, you, you know, many of us have been through those experiences in different ways. Some of us go through it as a parent. Uh, some of us go through it in our, you know, military or law enforcement uh, service. And then what we want is to make sure that when we're bringing that next generation up behind us, in our careers, that we're doing them a service uh, to make sure that we get them on the right track so that they are able to do, as you said, uh, emulate uh, those aspects of us as leaders that are going to make the generation coming up behind them just a little bit better. Tell me a little bit about um, why you went into law enforcement and, and did it turn out to be what you thought it was going to be. Um, well, interesting, because I know you said you wanted to talk on the, my bachelor's degree and everything like that. Um, I'm really probably a million miles away from where I saw myself um, as an 18-year-old kid, just getting ready to go to college and do the military and things like that. Um, I had gone to college and picked up exercise physiology because at that time I had a desire to get into physical therapy. Um, and the as I went through my, my, my college time, it was that one chemistry class that I just didn't want to take that kind of kept me from going <laughs> to medical school. Um, so, um, you know, I, I ended up graduating and, you know, took some time off to kind of figure out what I was going to do and, you know, decompressed a little bit. And I had actually had a high school wrestling coach and I knew a lot of um, cops growing up um, back home, but I had a high school wrestling coach who, when he wasn't coaching wrestling, he was, uh, he was a police officer, uh, not too far from where I went to high school. And again, he was one of those other people in my life that influenced me. And, you know, it just seemed like at that time when I was done 
taken time off that it was time to get into the, the law enforcement world. And I don't really know what drew me to it. It was just what I wanted to do. Um, people have asked me that question, what made you become you know, a police officer and things like that. And I don't really know what the true answer is, although it just seemed like it was the thing that I needed to do. So, Well, right now, um, the thing that we need to do is take a quick break. So hold that thought, Chris, and we'll be right back. Don't go away. You're listening to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Results will always favor the peak performer. MagnusWorks is a cutting-edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well-being domains to go from great to Magnus. MagnusWorks balances individuals with real-time tailor-made check-ins with pulse vibes to increase mental, physical, and emotional well-being. It spans every aspect of your daily life. Get started now. Inspire, educate, impact, and transcend. MagnusWorks.com. That's Magnus, W-O-R-X, dot com. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. We've been having a delightful conversation with Chris Eklund, who is uh, a full-time SWAT leader. He is a training coordinator and team leader. I, uh, I was very interested in our conversation earlier about why, and I think one of the things that concerns me when we talk about where we are in life now is there are times when we cannot necessarily stop uh, to, to ask why, and I'm sure both you and Matthew and many other people who are listening in our, in our audience who've had these experiences 
where you've planned for something and you've planned everything right to the minute. And regardless of how much you trained and regardless of how much you have uh, prepared for this particular situation, it derailed. And it could have cost a life. It may have cost a life. Or if it did, how did you manage to come back and, as we like to say, survive and thrive in an environment um, where maybe we didn't ask not only why, but what if. So I don't know if you can um, think of a time that you can share with us, but we always like to get into the experiences of the officers and how you recovered from a situation like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kathy, I think um, a lot of people have a tendency to, you know, and in the law enforcement world, we talk about it a lot as complacency. Um, I feel like I've been pretty lucky through my career to this point that I haven't found myself looking back and saying, man, I got complacent there for a second. Uh, let's bring it back. Um, I don't know if it's, again, kind of from my upbringing and whatnot, but I've always kind of, and it's a really dark way to kind of go through life, but kind of always been prepared for the bad thing to happen. Um, you know, there's realities in life that are absolutely realistic, and they do happen without a doubt. And when you study kind of this job and what happens and some of the outcomes that happen from a number of events, um, you kind of build up that, that mental Rolodex of all of these possibilities that could happen at every, any time. And, you know, they also help in that it reminds you of something that you may find yourself in at that time. Um, so I've never really been somebody who drifted into that world of complacency. In fact, I'm always kind of thinking about when this goes wrong. Um, when I plan operations and things like that, although I may not give a whole bunch of contingencies to my guys just to kind of keep them, you know, level and on task, I have a bunch of contingencies running through my head. And when things go sideways, I kind of find myself just real taking a quick, real deep breath. And then I just start quite honestly going into that autocratic leadership mode that I mentioned earlier, where, um, I'm very fortunate that the guys that work for me respond. Um, Can you give us an example? Um, you know, <laughs> to, to knock it down to one example, I mean, it, in general, I, I would say that probably if we've had, when we've had shootings um, and I've been kind of running that operation, then it just kind of seems like that person uh, just isn't going to quite comply with the way we want them to. And then all of a sudden it turns into a shooting situation. Um, again, just kind of, number one, thinking about my guys and trying to make sure that they're coming back to where they need to be because as much as I need to try to get back to left of bang, they need to get back to left of bang as well. So I've always been very cognizant about paying attention to what they do, um, how they look, how they respond, so on and so forth. The incident that maybe they just had and maybe if they're going through an adrenaline dump at any moment now and just kind of addressing those things right there on the spot. Yeah, I tell you, uh, you know, and that's a common theme here, Chris, is that, you know, contingency planning, um, and I think it was the last show we were talking about this, 
you know, uh, one of my best leaders, um, this is when I was a troop chief, and uh, it's kind of going, you know, one of the hardest positions because you're being asked questions from the top and you've got the commanding officer, you know, and a couple other officers between you and uh, and the commanding officer. But And then you got your young guys asking the why. But the contingency planning that I learned, even after having 15, 16 years in, I never had planned my whole career like that. He was a unique guy, um, but there's definitely value in the, how many questions he would ask. Like, what are we going to do if we do this? What are we going to do if we do this? You know, and for you as a leader, and myself as a leader, it's uh, it's important to go over those contingency plans because you can't plan for everything. However, you could be asked those hard questions to get your, you know, think about well, what what haven't we thought about? That way the, the mission goes smoother. Yeah, and, and, you know, what I found, Matt, in a lot of our critical incidents that we get on, and, and, you know, I'm thinking of kind of one in particular where, you know, we're in that planning phase, and then we start to move into the operational phase, and all of a sudden, all the guys have all these questions, and they have all these ideas, and all these things that they want to think about, and so on and so forth, and kind of for me, my my decision-making process has really kind of been based on, you know, is there a, a big negative to what you're saying right now? And if it is, I kind of move it out of my thought process um, because, you know, we as leaders have a ton of things going on inside our head, and I try to keep some clarity as to what's going on. And like I said, if if I get that idea or that thought, I don't dismiss it for the sake of dismissing it, but it's just something that the kind of the negatives outweigh the positives to me, and I kind of want to move on to the next idea. Yeah, Absolutely. And it's, uh, you know, we, we could talk about this for a long time here, but um, like one of the acronyms I have is the CLIMATE, which is uh, C-L-I-M-A-T-E. And uh, a lot of people think the climate is just the temperature in the room, but it's really the temperature in the environment. And when you look at leadership, the L, which is leadership, and the M, which is mentorship, uh, that's critical to a good climate and a good team. Um, and as you're talking about it, you know, as a leader, you got a lot of things in your head, but to be cognizant of that with your people, uh, that way the energy is more positive and they, they, they execute with better precision. Yeah, and I think, I think you know, um, even with my, my Simon Sinek readings, you know, to me, taking care of my guys has always been, you know, paramount to me. And as much as I want to perform well for them, um, I think through time they want to perform well for me. And I think when I kind of started to realize that that was happening in my career is when I started to sort of, you know, continue down that path of that style of leadership that, you know, nobody wants to let anybody down from the top down or the bottom up. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and that is really how it should be. You know, we should all be working collectively as a team. But as you know, in today's environment, with so much going on, not only in, uh, in policing, but in the communities where they're working, sometimes that's hard to do. Can you give us um, a, a defining moment um, in the line of duty where you really learned a hard lesson but it made you a better version of who you are today. Um, yeah, actually, again, kind of around that 2012, really that 2014 timeframe uh, is when a lot of things started changing for me as a leader. 
Um, you know, like you kind of described earlier, I was honestly that that very always very direct. Uh, if mistakes were made, um, I'd get very emotional about it. And you know, 2014 is when I moved into my full time position. I was promoted to a position of team leader from an assistant team leader, and at that moment, I really when my whole career became just about SWAT, which is to say I didn't have another job to do on the, the other side, I really kind of started to delve into what was going to work for me, the leadership theories and things like that. And it was at that time when I actually had the time. Um, and I think probably, Kathy, that's the first time I listened to you was around 2014 or 16, that time frame. Um, you know, I, I really kind of started to try to figure myself out. And, you know, I realized that I could actually feel when that emotional explosion was going to happen um, and kind of work for a good amount of time to try to temper that down. And I think that's why at this point, and I wish, sometimes I wish I would have done it in reverse, but now I find myself wanting to learn more about leadership, you know, on the practical and theoretical side and, you know, just continue to grow in this, this kind of craft or job, if you want to call it, of being a leader. Um, so when I when I really kind of got into that, and that's when I started going to the NTOA Command College and considering my um, my master's degree not too long ago and things like that, that was really kind of the time when I was put into that position because I was moved into a position of assistant team leader, and I didn't even know it was coming. Um, I literally just got a phone call, and it was, hey, we're we're promoting you to assistant team leader. That was in 2008. And then in 2014, I moved into that position. And, you know, as much as being an assistant team leader was very real for me, um, being that team leader, that person who was going to be really kind of running the show out in the field is what made me start to switch. And I won't say switch, but really start paying a lot more attention to that educational side um, as much as the skill building side. Well, first of all, thank you for... Uh, sharing that and, and congratulations on the uh, Masters in Organizational Leadership. And it, it's always great when I meet somebody after so many years who got a taste of some of the work we do around emotional intelligence and law enforcement through uh, either the National Command and Staff College or the NTOA Command College or any of the organizations where we're actively engaged. And we are just thrilled you know, that you are carrying that legacy forward. So thank you for that, and, and I want to acknowledge you for, for doing that. I think one of the things that um, I want to make sure our audience takes away with them today is um, if you go to commandcollege.org, you can download a series of free webinars that we have based on many of the things that Chris and Matt and I have been talking about today. Uh, And it's not only leadership around emotional intelligence, but we talk about things like mindset, uh, sleep, um, all kinds of aspects of well-being, like the MagnusWorks.com app uh, that we are so proud to be sharing with law enforcement these days. So make sure that if you're listening today, you go out and grab those things and also send them to your friends because we want to share. And as you know, on every show, we uh, we want to give a shout out to everybody. Let you know that we love you. We care about you, 
and what you do for us in service, and, and Chris is a great example of that. Matt, you have any uh, final questions here for Chris as we start to shut down the, uh, the show today? No, I tell you, Chris, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, we, uh, and I look forward to meeting you sometime here. I know that you've been uh, ta- er, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't have the face. So, uh, <laughs> just pulled up the face. Uh, I'm glad it was such right. a great experience. Yeah, Matt. you know this dude. <laughs> <laughs> Matt and I are in limbo uh, today. Um, two hours past five o'clock. Right? <laughs> yeah, that'll that's be five right, o'clock I got somewhere. I need somewhere. a drink. <laughs> No, my man. No, it's great to uh, chat with you and uh, yeah, reconnect with you here. Uh, but uh, got a question for you. Um, you know, you've been on your feet your whole life. You decade with uh, you know um, with the uh, National Guard plus uh, you know SWAT law enforcement. Uh, so you're, you're quite as quite as salt as we call it in my where I come from. Um, but being on your feet all the time, what's your favorite pair of socks? My favorite pair of socks. <laughs> the ones that don't have holes in them. <laughs> ones that don't have holes in them. <laughs> That's a first. That's a first. That was really good. You had me built up for this really dramatic question, Matt. It was just, you know, the socks, you know. The ones without the holes in them for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, so it's funny because, you know, career military guys, 25 years, you know, government issues plus being in special operations. It's, uh, you know, we got some good, you know, used to have uh, – you know, wool socks, and then we go with darn tough socks. But, you know, we get the best, best, um, and but we get a mission. He's so spoiled. He so, is then, so, spoiled. <laughs> so this lady over here brings me a pair of cashmere socks. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with these things? Yeah, I, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, they were nice and soft on the bottom. No doubt about it, you know. So, you know where I'm going. That nice shade of OD green. How many years? And I was like, wow. So, so you actually have socks that don't have holes in them that are really comfortable. <laughs> you got to take care of Chris is like, are you for real? We like to end the show with a surprise question, and we always get a different answer. And I'll tell you, we have had three months of shows. We're going into our uh, 13th show, and I have to tell you, not one person has given us the same answer on the sock question. So welcome to the team, Chris. <laughs> That's that's very good. <laughs> hey, if you were going to give a piece of advice to a new person wanting to be in law enforcement, what would it be? Um, you know, I think uh, law enforcement is one of those worlds where it is what you make of it. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of different people in law enforcement out there. They take different paths, and I think it's important that, you know, people realize that, there's a lot more to it than, you know, just jumping in a patrol car and driving around the streets for, you know, 10 or 12 hours, however long they work. Um, it's a very rewarding career. And not only would it be advice, but I would actually challenge anybody who's interested in getting into it as to really taking it as far as they can. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I never saw myself in this position, you know, 32 years ago. Um, and I could have never imagined my career going in the direction that it has, even when I was in the police academy. So, you know, it's really just important to always kind of take advantage of those opportunities when they present themselves, um, because they do happen in this career. And, you know, timing is everything. Um, you know, you see that opportunity, you jump at it, and, you know, that may take you in a position where you have a career like me, 
that I never expected to be so successful. So, oh, that's amazing. Well, that's well, 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 well said. Well done, and bravo. We're gonna we're gonna close on that note, Chris. Thanks for spending this time with us and sharing with our amazing audience who is been loving on us and we are loving on them. Thank you so much for bringing us into your world. And I want to just give a shout out to all of our sponsors. That's the National Command and Staff College, MagnusWorks.com. Please download the app. And let's not forget PackOps.com. You know, they have three conferences a year. Matt and I love to go. Uh, We are generally speakers and participants, and we hope to see you there soon. So, I guess this is Cat and Matt signing off, Strategies for Turbulent Time. Thanks for being with us. Till next time, be safe. We love you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Strategies for Turbulent Times. We hope Dr. Cat and Captain Matt were able to help you create a plan or simply steer clear of the unknown with ways to overcome challenges in your own life. Until next time, be brilliant and stay fearless.